I'm your host, Jeff Dawson, for another episode of Dawson's Domain, where we cover the spectrum of life's pressing issues and events, from politics to relationships, sports to horror, alternative history to poetry, humor to baseball coaching, and everything in between. Sunny and warm Dallas, Texas, compared to what we had a week and a half ago. It's Texas. This is the weather. One day you got the heat on, next day you got the AC on. It just varies from day to day, and you just either adjust, complain, or go about your way. I just go about my way. I had one friend after our one day of cold weather. Like, we're, we're done with winter, and it's like, I don't think so. And I used to track that with one of my construction companies just to see how many days we would work on the average each month, and I would bid jobs accordingly, and February was always our worst. So when I tell people, hey, we're not over, I've got the history behind it. It's right there. And it wasn't global warming. It's just the patterns that we go through. March isn't too bad, but yeah, it's it can be windy and we'll get our rain. Temperatures will be in the 50s and 60s. Well, that can be kind of bone chilling too. Okay, if you'd like to call in with questions or comments, the number is 888-627-6008. Or 323-744-4831. And for those looking for a place to listen to it, there is a phone number of 631-359-9353. Friday night was a normal night. I'll get into the promos in a minute, but I got to talk about Dunstan's. Oh, what a riveting evening it was. Patty, Jerry. Their granddaughter, Heather, her husband, Justin, was there, and their daughter, Parker. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot of people, but I tell you what, Heather is a pill. I just love aggravating small children, and she was so easy to pick on. She kept looking at her Grammy. Why is he so mean? Why is he? I don't understand this. And she was like a flea. She was just bouncing all over. She was, I've never seen a woman have two conversations face-to-face and talking to someone on the phone. Now, that was a new one for me. And all I could do is look at Jerry and shake my head and go, what the hell? And he goes, hey, man, it's a whole different generation. I said, you got that right. I've never seen such foolishness in my life. And apparently, her father's name is Jeff. And she goes, you're just like my dad. And it's like, well, I'll take that as a compliment. So he gives you a bunch of grief too. And she's like, don't even talk to me. Don't talk to me. I'm not listening to you. It was, it was a lot of fun. And it was done in fun. So Heather, if you're listening, 
I wasn't giving you grief, but she did try and get even with me because she was going to go stay with a friend in Keller. And which means from where we're at, you got to go down Regal Row, go north on 183, and then 183 and 114 split. Well, if you stay in the right lane, then you wind up in an exit only. I know this because I've driven it. And then she'd be lost and be calling up in a true panic that she's lost. Well, duh. Well, she made it a point to call to tell me that I was wrong. I guess we're going to have to drive this ourselves. And I said, get over in the left lane, the next left lane from the one you merge on and you'll be good because they reconfigured the split when they did this big reconstruction of 183. So I know she felt that she got the last word in, but uh, no, you didn't. <laughs> but it was a lot of fun. It, a, a good time was had by all. I will say that. And our servers were Tabitha and then Janet joined us later. And Brandon was popping about. But, you know, if you're looking for a good family steakhouse, that's affordable. Dunstan has two locations, one on Lover's Lane and one on Harry Hines. It's a great place to eat. Reasonably priced, good food. And isn't that what most people are looking for? I think so. Good time, good time. Yes, Patty, I'm going to be nice. But I do have to mention that... Uh, Patty got her hair cut. I know that's not a ground earth shattering experience, but I mean, she knocked a foot off and kind of had a Doris Day bob, but her sister will be in town and it will be hard to tell them apart because her sister Maureen has a similar haircut. And you can definitely tell, yeah, they are sisters. And I don't know if I'll be able to see Maureen and her husband next Friday because we're finally going to have the hernia operation, we hope. He got pushed off from January because the friend that was going to take me passed away, which is very sad. And then it was scheduled for yesterday, but the doctor came down with COVID, so they canceled that. And now we are scheduled for next Friday, and we'll see if this actually does transpire. But because of the rise in Omicron cases, I have to go in and get a COVID test. Okay, no big deal. But if you look at the numbers that I post every Sunday, you'll see that Omicron, this variant, is dying out, and it's dying out exponentially and rapidly, just like Delta did. And we've still, you know, the vaccine debate, vaccinations have not increased that much since the Omicron exploded. They're just very slowly going up. Well, to me, that proves that yeah, I'm not going to tell anyone not to get the shot. It's it's your choice. And this is something I'm going to get into later. It is your choice. If you do come down with COVID, you're in for a very rough ride. And by the mortality numbers, 
really don't want to be one of those. But it's still your choice. So that's where we're at on that. Uh, my favorite charity is the Woodall Foundation. And I will mention them each week, each every bi-weekly. That is run by Daniel and Becky Woodall. They minister to the deaf in Moldavia. They spend like one to two months over there. I've really got to nail that down. And her dad, who was my best friend, Mike Palin, he would be so proud of his daughter. He really would. She really turned out great. I think she now has three boys and a girl. Because I know her last one, she finally, finally got a girl. So she was very excited about that. But it's a great foundation. They're on Facebook. They're always looking for donations to pay for the trip that they take over there and do the work of God. I mean, what more can you ask for? When you give to them, it's not going to a new car. It's not going to a house or anything like that. It is going to pay for their mission trips to Moldavia. So if you have a chance, look them up. Herbalife. Yes, I'm still in Herbalife. Big time. But not overboard because there are certain products I can't take because I have an affinity to caffeine. It's just, it's it, ever since my blood clots in 2010, it's, it does not do well to me. Hell, I have to drink decaf coffee. And somebody said, yeah, that's not by choice. And I said, no, that's not by choice. But I've adjusted to it. <clears throat> but it's really good stuff. I mean, if you want to lose the weight, and I know there's a lot of commercials on TV, you've got Nutrisystem and uh, Weight Watchers and Golo and everything else. I don't know what those programs cost. I'm not even going to attempt to make a guess, but Herbalife works. And the website you can go to is jeff-dawson, period, goherbalife, period, com, slash, en-us. And you go on there, you can buy anything you want. And, you know, it, it's not a multi-level marketing company per se, but the more you buy, you do start getting discounts and the highest discount you can get is 50%, which is pretty nice. No, I'm not there. I'm still at 35, but that's okay. We're getting there slowly, but surely. Okay. On the subscriptions for this show, they start at $299, $599, $999. And then I believe there's one for 48, which is a platinum. And I, I know I mentioned this last episode. I really hadn't looked into it yet to what you get there. So I need to quit procrastinating, which is not something I commonly do, and see exactly what's there. But you know, $299, $599, $999, and we're pushing for 1,000 subscribers. Because we can get to that, I can do this every week. Which, if they have a slot, would be great. But I need comments and remarks on the content. If you all enjoy the content, if you enjoy what I cover and mention things that, hey, we'd, 
how about covering something like this? I mean, I'm open on anything. I don't care what the topic is. It's just like all the books I've read. I've read books that years ago I wouldn't have touched with a 10-foot pole. But when I became a reviewer before Amazon banned me, the bastards, um, I had to read a lot of different genres that I wasn't familiar with and had never even thought about. And some of them were really good and some of them were a bunch of crap. But hey, if you don't read it, you won't know. That's all there is to it. So I will expose myself, not in public, because I'm not going to jail, on just about any topic there is. If it is of interest and is not some fringe element, which I'm going to get into that in a little bit, because I had a long debate with a liberal friend a couple of days ago, and let's just say it was rather interesting. So please subscribe, tell your friends. You're the ones that can spread the word. I mean, I market this on Twitter and Facebook, and I got to get my blog back up and running. But it's you, the listeners, that can spread the word to your friends and family a lot better than I can. And I do want to thank Justin and Heather and Jerry for the book purchases last night. Yes, I'm going to give you some change, Jerry. That was a little more than uh, what they were worth, but every little bit helps. I do hope that they enjoy their purchases. So that was fun. And when it comes to the books, reviews, reviews, reviews. As I understand, Amazon came up with some BS policy that if you hadn't spent $50 with them, that you can't post a review. Well, if you haven't spent $50 on Amazon, then you probably can't post a review, which I understand. But if you have gone over that 50 and you do like what you, the books you've bought for me, and even if you don't like them, you know, that's how an author learns. And that's how I redid one of my books, one of my first ones, Occupation. I got blasted by a reviewer. But he had a point because I went back to some of the other reviews and I could see there is a pattern here. He's just more specific. I mean, it was a one-star review. Okay. So what was it? And I went back to that book, got my mind right, and that I had to look at it as being a reader and not the writer which really wasn't hard to do. So I got a fresh perspective at that manuscript and he was right. It needed an enema and it got one. I think I've whacked out 10,000 words from that thing. It really was that bad. And I was really very frustrated because I'd already sent it through two editors and it's like, Oh, what the hell? But that's how we become better writers is with good constructive criticism, good or bad. And if you're a writer and you don't like bad criticism, go stand on a street corner and say you'll work for food. Because you won't be criticized for that. But you will be criticized as a writer because you're putting yourself out there and not everyone is going to like what you write. You have to be 
willing to accept that fact because that it, it's a fact. There is no book written that everybody liked. No book. So if you can't do it with constructive criticism, I don't know, go pitch pennies on the corner or something. Just find something else to do. All of my books are on Amazon, Jeff Dawson, but you're going to have to type in, there's like five of us. And I should have really researched that. But when I started there were, I think there was only one other Jeff Dawson. But if you type in the title to one of my books, that will take you to my site, like Love's True Second Chance. Why did everything happen? Gateway, P-O-H-P-I-O-C-H-E. Those are very standalone books and titles. There isn't anything else like that. And that'll take you to my site. Whereas my current release, Roadkill, you type in Roadkill, and good Lord, I forgot how many books I found with that title. But I'm not going to change it because that's what the book's about. And it's based on an experience that I was told about in Tulsa, Oklahoma, when Tulsa Paving was doing the dirt work for the US-169 project, and they uncovered a mass grave with the scrapers. I never forgot that story. Orville Cobb related to me. I really liked Orville was a good guy. He was good. And I always remember that story. Well, now I have a book covering that event in Tulsa back in. He told that to me in 1978 or 79. And I guess US 169 was built in the mid 70s. So, yeah, it's based on something that actually happened in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Okay, book review. Unbroken by Laura Hildebrand. What a great work. This is about Louis Zamperini. He was a troubled child, to say the least. He was going down the wrong path. And prison was probably going to be in his future, very near future, if he didn't change his ways. And one of his high school coaches got him into track. And he excelled at it. He went to the 1936 Olympics in Nazi Germany. Hang on just a second. And then he joined up like millions of other young men did after the attack on Pearl Harbor. He and his crew were on a search and rescue mission for a plane that had disappeared. The plane they were flying, nicknamed the Green Hornet, there wasn't any, every crew that had been in it said this plane is a problem. There is something wrong with it. And the mechanics went through it multiple times. They couldn't find anything mechanically unsound in that plane. Well, it crashed. It killed eight of the crew. He and the three survive. He and two other survivors were able to get out, get in the life rafts. One of them perished. Because they have no food. The only food was 
what they could catch out of the ocean or a couple of times some birds landed and uh, they caught them. Well, they wound up using them as bait because raw bird, that wasn't good. Louie was in that and his buddy were in that raft for 47 days. They wind up floating halfway across the Pacific and landed at Kawajalan Island. But Laura, her book is so good. I mean, she really is a good writer. Uh, I was just spellbound when I read it. And the title is Unbroken. It is a true story. Louis did survive the war. He survived the brutal prison camp treatment that the Japanese were notorious for. Because they just looked at prisoners as a waste of resources, a strain on the empire. But as long as they could get work out of them, then that freed up having to have Japanese people do this, do the hard labor. Gee, sounds like Germany, doesn't it? But it's an excellent, excellent book. And if you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. I really do. I know it probably took me three, maybe four days to read it, but I was just completely engrossed in it. And uh, she is an excellent writer. And I mentioned Roadkill. That's up and running. You want a fun, bloody, violent crime story where a crooked cop's involved and multiple dealers around Tulsa are involved in the cartel moving into Mexico. Yeah, you'd like it. It's not a a long story, but there's plenty of action. And there's... It's like watching watching a Die Hard movie. The bodies just start stacking up. And in the end, you don't know who's left. You really don't. All right, baseball update. There isn't one. And I don't look for one. If If something breaks, I will be stunned. These guys... You know, depending on what site you go to, everyone wants to blame the owners because the owners are the billionaires. Yeah, because they took the risk to buy a team. So, yeah, they're billionaires. But if you I'm on this MLB site and it's got to be more. I know there's way too many liberals on it and writers, but they all want to blame the owners. Always blame the owners. Always blame the owners. Why? Yeah, they're billionaires because without them, there wouldn't be a team. If there wasn't a team, you wouldn't be making these outrageous salaries. So I always love it when they just target the owners. They're the evil ones. They're giving you a job. They're paying you an outrageous, exorbitant salary. But they're the evil ones because they're paying some of you guys 20, 25, 30, $35 million a year. Yeah, they're evil, all right. Damn, I'd hate to work for somebody that's paying me that type of money. What a crock of crap. I mean, and, and what's the starting 670000 How many people do you know 
could live on 670000 or would actually make that amount of money their whole life. Oh, but the owners, they're the problem. No, they're not the problem. The players' union has never given in on a concession. And if the owners fold here, it's just going to be the same old thing. And this will get to the point where <clears throat> I know these television contracts contracts are lucrative and large, but you know, sooner or later, you will find an end to that well. And when you find that end and there's nothing else to give, say goodbye. You killed something that was great over greed and it's players' greed. That's just the way I feel about it. The NFL, what a great Super Bowl. 23 to 20, Rams win. A whole lot of people were pulling for the underdog Bengals. I mean, Joe Morrow and the Bengals organization, they know what direction they're headed. That's a fact. Now, Keeping a team together is always a real struggle. Can the Bengals keep this group together? Or will free agency force them to get rid of the core they're building? You know, overall, it was an extremely clean game. Yeah, the officials missed that face mask by the receiver where the Bengals scored their first touchdown. Okay. It reminded me of that play with the Rams and Saints. That interference call on the sideline that wasn't flagged. I didn't get upset about it. I didn't jump up and down. I'm sure the Ram fans at the time were just losing their ever-loving minds over that. I'm more calmer. All right. Because there was no one around these two. You had one official, and this is the, this was a problem. You had one official that was trailing the play and watching. He couldn't see the receiver grab that face mask. He might have noticed the defender's head turning oddly, but you can't call what you don't see. You can't assume that's what happened. <clears throat> And I just hope and pray that someone doesn't come up with, well, if the officials don't call it, then we're going to go to the booth review. And we'll call it for them. It's scary to think that this could happen, but with the way technology is progressing and ESPN is influencing the professional sports, I wouldn't put them past them to say, oh, we need another official on the video camera. So if they didn't catch it, then we can catch it from up here with all of our cameras. I guess it would get to the point where the hell with the officials, we don't need them anymore. We'll just let the uh, film crews. We'll let a play go through and then we'll call a foul. This is, that would be insane. And actually my buddy Wes said baseball is thinking about doing that. Yet everyone talks about speeding up the game of baseball. Well, the more replays you add in 
the longer the game will go. You're just going to drag it out. And then we talked about this at dinner last night. For those of you that don't know, there is a rule. It's been in the rule book since I umpired for 20 years. From the time the pitcher receives the ball, he has 20 seconds to deliver it to the batter. That's it. You don't do that. It's called a ball, plain and simple. Umpires haven't enforced that until like I think three or four years ago where they started putting a clock in the outfield so the umpires could see it, the 20-second clock. I said, you don't need that. You can count in your head. That's what I did. It's not that hard. Or has counting to 20 become too difficult for some people? I really wonder some days. But, and then between innings, when a pitcher first takes the mound, he is allowed eight warm-up pitches. That's it, eight. Between the half innings, it's six. So our commercial break should be no longer than a minute and 20 seconds. But they're not. They run two to two and a half minutes. There's what's extending the time of the game right there. Well, you would hear the argument that that's going to be lost revenue if we cut back. Yeah, it would be. And why is that such a bad thing? Because if it is lost revenue, if that's the way you want to look at it, well, then instead of paying a player $20 million a year, you can only pay him $12 million a year. And if you can't live on $12 million a year, then you really are a dumbass and need serious financial counseling. Everybody would still make money because, you know, you can only spend so much unless you're a real idiot and could manage to blow, went into the stock market and laid out a billion dollars and your stock cratered and you lost everything. Well, there's that financial analyst that you needed, you dumbass. And that would also lower the cost of what we pay for a lot of products. I mean, yeah, we've got inflation right now. Thank you, Joe Biden. You're really building back better, aren't you? What a maroon. What a boob. But, and that's one book I will do someday, and it's called The Price of Number One. And I'm going to do historical analysis of salaries and the products of the sponsors to see how how much they spend in their marketing, especially the automakers. I mean, you watch a professional event, you are just slammed by the automakers and you've got Doritos out there and then you got Geico and Progressive. So how much, you know, we're paying our premiums, we're buying the goods at the store. How much of that is because it's got to pay for their marketing? those companies that have to pay for the commercials. How much of that bag of Doritos is from advertising? How much is that six pack from advertising? Oh yeah, you got to throw the beer guys in there. You know, how, how much is that increasing the cost of what we have to pay for? I don't know. And I know it's going to be, probably difficult to get some of that information, but I will figure out a way to do it. 
I'm sure if I called up Procter and Gamble or Ford or Chevy and said, I need to know what your marketing budget is. I'm sure they just tell me, why sure, Mr. Dawson, have a look and see. Here's what we spend on marketing. I don't think they'd be real forthcoming with that. Maybe they will be. I won't know until that happens, but that's going to be one of the last ones I do because I have gotten back into finishing a book I started five years ago, but I'm getting off point there. But the last three minutes of the Rams in the Bengals game, it's like a flurry of flags. And all these little cheap flags that we didn't see all throughout the game, there were some really ridiculous calls. There were some flagrant calls. There were some obvious calls. But then we saw some of those ticky-tack pass interference calls that we hadn't seen all game. Now, if you're a conspiracy, conspiracy theorist, as one of my friends is, you'll say, well, it was rigged for the Rams to win. Well, what difference does it make if the Rams win or the Bengals win? All the money's been made. I mean, that's it. All the commercials have been paid for. Everyone's going to make get their fair share. Fair share. So what is the benefit of the Rams winning? Logically, I can't think of anything. If the Bengals win, Okay, their players will make more because they won the Super Bowl than the losers, like they're all going to be on the street panhandling, which that's not going to happen. But so if you are one of those that thinks it's there is some type of conspiracy because of the flurry of flags in the last three minutes, what's the end game? That you're sympathetic to the city of Cincinnati? I don't think so. I just don't see an upside to say that's what happened. That's what caused it. I just think the officials, for whatever reason, got flag happy, which they shouldn't have. Yeah, there was probably three calls that, yeah, you got to make those. But then there was like three or four that really, really, and it kept extending the Rams drive. Okay, but I don't think there was any conspiracy behind it to make sure that the Rams win. I mean, I just don't see any upside to it. If they wanted anybody to win, it would have been the Buccaneers and Brady in his goodbye tour. I'm so glad it wasn't that liberal Aaron Rodgers. I'm so glad they were one and done. That made my heart happy, and I'm a Packers fan. But I am sick of him. I couldn't all the crap he pulled before the season and lying about getting the shot. He needs to go, and how the hell was he the MVP? So you become an MVP when you're one and done in the playoffs. What type of crap is that? It's just like, the Baseball Hall of Fame voting. Only David Ortiz went in. And then when you go through the list and look at Kurt Schilling should be in there. But why is it only 394 writers decide who goes in the Hall of Fame, yet all of us fans decide who goes to the All-Star game? That needs to be seriously reviewed. Because we know writers on the most part are liberal. 
and bias because if they interviewed a player, say Kurt Schilling, and he didn't like them, he's not going to he's not going to interview with them because he's going to look at them and say you're just going to write what you want to. It doesn't make a damn what I say to you. Well, I don't like Kurt. I just personally don't like him, so I'm not going to vote for him. Well, what about his stats? I don't care about his stats. I just don't like him. Well, maybe he doesn't like you either. But aren't you supposed to be impartial, unbiased, and go with the facts? Yeah, good luck with that in the media. Only one person made the Baseball Hall of Fame this year, and that was David Ortiz. That was ridiculous. When you look at all the names that were on there, yeah, I'm not going to vote for Bonds. I'm not going to vote for Sosa. I'm not going to vote for McGuire. They were the steroid trio. But Kurt Schilling, you know, Roger Clemens, he was on there. Personally, I don't like Roger Clemens. Did he use steroids? Could have. But I don't believe they really nailed him. I could be wrong on that. But he was Hall of Fame caliber. They need to really review how they put people in the Hall of Fame in baseball. But the Super Bowl, I no, I didn't watch the halftime show. But that was really interesting. Because I looked at the comments, and you could see the generational gap in music. For once, it wasn't a blowout sex show and all this crap. Well, my niece is in her 40s. This is the music she grew up with. That's not what I grew up with. And those were the comments you saw for the most part, is those of us that are older, it didn't appeal to us. But those that were in their late 30s through their 40s, they really liked it because those were their dance songs. You know, so I look at my generation, then I look at my parents' generation. We all have our favorites, groups, musicians, style of music. You know, my dad wasn't a big fan of rock and roll. As a musician, though, I could appreciate jazz and blues and swing dance. I played the trombone. I got to play some of that music so I could appreciate it. But it wasn't my generation's music. And that's not what was played at our dances, our parties, at the prom. But it was interesting to see this strong divide of who didn't like it and who did. So that was that was kind of cool to see. But I no, I don't believe there was a conspiracy at all. I just thought it was a great game. You didn't know who was going to win. It came down to the, you know, looked like the Bengals might just pull it off, but that Rams defensive line, Donaldson finally broke through. He'd, he'd I think his name was only called once before that last drive, and the Cincinnati offensive line was just, they were tired. They had, they fought a great fight. They played their, everybody put it out there. Nobody held back. I mean, look at the running game. God, there wasn't a running game. Neither team could get the ball on the ground and move it anywhere. They were getting stuffed. So it became an aerial battle. 
and now you got to pass protect every play. So, yeah, overall, I love the game. I thought it was great. I really did. Okay, one thing I didn't get on last week, and if you didn't like the game or you did like the game, leave a comment. Let me know. Tell me what you thought about it. I didn't. I wasn't able to get into this last show because JR and I talked an hour about the Flores situation, the Miami Dolphins, but the electric vehicles. About a year ago, some guy posted a deal that gas would go to 0.00, and he's a liberal, and I didn't go to his page and blast him. It's like, okay, I'm just going to take what he said, and I'm going to post this, and I'm going to post my response to it. And I went through all the cars that were out there and the cost, which on the average was something like just ridiculous, I think $80,000 if you had the top ones in there. But the one thing when I was researching these electric cars, and I got to tip my hat to Ford, no place did they talk about the lightning. And about two months ago, I saw an ad on it, I heard about it, and I researched it. It is a Ford F-150, and it is all electric. In fact, the motor, I believe, is in the wheels. But the when you open up the hood, it's a trunk. But what I thought was amazing was, in the research I did, there was no mention of this anywhere. Ford just said, we're working on something. Because I pointed out, well, you know, being in construction, you want to go electric, you're going to need to generate a lot of power. Because those vehicles will take a beating. Just like John Cameron Swayze used to say about Timex. It takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Well, that's what these electric vehicles are going to have to be able to do on these construction sites. In the mud, and the snow, and the rain, the ruts, pulling people out of mud. I mean, we do put a lot of strain on those vehicles. And Ford's always held up. But I thought it was really cool that they were able to keep that quiet. And all of a sudden, boom, Ford has an all-electric truck. They must have had people signing that if you disclose any of this information, you will be shot, hung, and quartered. Because, I mean, corporate espionage is still a thing. And everyone would have loved to gotten their hands on that. Ford's beat them all to the draw from what I can see. Now, how will it hold up? Well, it's way, way too early to say because they're just going to come out this year. They're going to have to prove that these vehicles are going to be reliable and what the maintenance costs are going to be on them. And, you know, first runs, they're always problems. You can just bank on it. So it's going to take them a year or so to work the bugs out. Because with all these electronics, dust and electronics don't work. I've seen it in some of the new excavators where, one, you can't smoke 
because the tar from the smoke will slowly infiltrate into all the circuits. For those of us that smoke, you know what that's like. You get it on your windshield. You got to clean it off. You can't operate the machines with the doors open anymore because of the dust and the electronics. Yeah, let's see how that's going to work out. So there's this is going to be an interesting experiment. I mean, are we headed towards electric cars and vehicles? Well, I've talked about this multiple times. Modes of transportation change. They don't change overnight. When it's forced, people make mistakes. I mean, they've been working on electric vehicles for about 30 years, just like solar power. They've been working on that since 74, 76. They still haven't perfected it. It evolves. But when government says it has to evolve, that goes to shit. Let it run its course. Yeah, but the current administration can't do that. We'll, we'll discuss that later. But yeah, I thought it was really cool what uh, the Ford Lightning. Now let's just, let's see where it's at in two years. Let's see how well it's operating. Let's see what its maintenance costs are, what the durability is. And the other thing I got to thinking about is, you know, the batteries right now, the estimates I've seen, replacement is eight to $20,000, which is just outrageous. I mean, hell, you're going to spend forty five to 50000 on a vehicle, and you might have to spend eight to 20000 on the batteries. What type of resale value is that vehicle going to have? Now, no one has talked about this. I haven't seen it in any journals or anything. To have a resale value, you better have a whole fresh bank of batteries. Are you willing to drop $8,000 or whatever it's going to cost to sell it? What are the dealers going to give you? What are the used car dealers going to give you? What's going to be salvageable part-wise on those? These are all questions that haven't been addressed because it's too early, but somebody needs to think down the road on what do we do with these? What if you can't resell them? What if they have no resale value? Now, what do you do with them? Become the Beverly Hillbillies and start packing them up in your yard or do like the guy does that out in Amarillo with the Cadillacs and make a fence by burying them halfway in the dirt. Those are things that need to be analyzed and discussed. Because I don't know the answer to those questions, but I think they're very valid questions. The Olympics. I have not watched a minute of them. And I have no desire. I guess they're getting close to being finished. I don't know. I'm not supporting any of it. Our current administration says they're big on human rights. 
yet we're having the Olympics and the biggest human rights violator in the on the planet. Makes sense to me. I call that hypocrisy. If you're watching the Olympics, that's your choice. It's not for me to tell you what you can or cannot watch. But when I made the decision not to watch them, I stuck to it because it was a personal choice. I don't know what the medal count is. I really don't care at all. News pundits. Believe it or not, I've got nothing on the news pundits because I watched a little bit of CNN. All their females are still constipated. I watched a little bit of Fox, and uh, that was aggravating as always. So I didn't have the patience to sit there and wait for them to make some ignorant comment that I could jump on them about. I just didn't watch. Because there was nothing to hear. It's just noise. And it's I'd rather listen. I would rather sit at Dunstan's and aggravate Heather Brown than watch the news. That would take a lot of patience, but I could do it. Yes, Patty and Jerry, I hope you got a chuckle out of that one. But, uh, no, I didn't watch it. Okay, Ukraine. You know, why wasn't the invasion of Crimea covered like the Ukraine is? Remember who was in office? That had been Obama. You didn't see this wall-to-wall coverage of Russia invading the Crimea. I wonder why. We got the same satellites, we got the same technology. Obama sent the, uh, you know, Obama sent the Ukraine blankets. Trump sent sent uh, anti-tank weapons. Ukraine, for those that don't know, Hitler knew this when he invaded Russia. Why would you invade Russia? If you study your history, you don't invade Russia. It doesn't work out well. It's like going to Afghanistan. It won't work out well. Because you have no idea what you're going into. And I've read multiple accounts of German soldiers just, yeah, they're capturing all this land. But it never ended. And it began to demoralize them. This doesn't end. When's it going to end? Denmark, Norway, the lowlands, Netherlands, France. It ended. There was a beginning point. There was an ending point. Russia doesn't end until you get to the Pacific. And by the time you get to the Pacific, you probably have to turn around and go back. It doesn't end. But the Ukraine is the largest resource of minerals and agriculture in Eastern Europe. Everyone knows that. During the Stalin years, they couldn't develop it. That's one thing Russia has never been able to do that China has figured out how to do is have a capitalist economy and a communist government. The Ukraine is rich. Hitler knew that. 
That's why he wanted it. That's why Russia wants it again. Plus, Putin is ex-KGB, and he remembers the days of the USSR. He would like nothing more than to unite Russia again. But the Ukraine is rich. So if they if Russia does invade and take the Ukraine, what do we got? Eight thousand soldiers in Poland or strong what what are eight thousand soldiers gonna do as a deterrent? I mean, who who remembers the missile system that's uh, we had set in Poland? as a deterrent against Russia. And that was always a negotiation point that, well, if the U.S. wants to do that, Russia would say, we got to get rid of the missiles. I mean, during Kennedy, he did it in Turkey. He took out our uh, medium-range ICBMs out of Turkey during the Cold War to avert the Third World War after the Cuban Missile Crisis. Does Russia have their eyes on Poland or Moldavia or anybody else? Well, I looked it up, and if the numbers are right, they've got a million active troops. Well, back in World War II, they had about 10 million. Actually, more than that. But they have 2 million in reserve. Ukraine has a standing force of 200,000. And their air force is, what, uh, 43,000 with 134 aircraft, I think. Can they hold the Russians back? Well, if you listen to the media, no. I don't know. Yeah, if you look at the numbers, they can't. They they can take a lot of Russians with them, but in the end, it wouldn't matter. But then we, what the media isn't saying, and hopefully this is because Zelensky isn't letting them know what defenses they have set up. They could have a series of defenses set up like Zukov set up for the Battle of Kursk. And you will have to just beat yourself against a stone wall until it falls. Yes, they've got a lot of territory they've got to cover. But with today's satellite technology, where are the Russian armored spearheads forming because when you talk about pincer movements which the germans are the ones that came up with that with the blitzkrieg tactic they're forming somewhere now where is the where are their armored reserves you find where those armored reserves are and you know where they were attempting to break through And you can prepare for that. 
we'll see what happens. But it doesn't matter if NATO's unified. No one's going to go in there if Putin invades the Ukraine, just like when he invaded the Crimea. Did anyone go in and try and help them? No. But it gave Putin access to the Black Sea again because he got the port of Sebastopol. So what sanctions can you put on Russia? They get the Ukraine. They got all the natural resources they need. And I haven't heard the new German ambassador say that he's going to shut down the Nordstrom pipeline. You know, Biden was out there telling him, saying, yeah, it'll be shut down. Oh, you're going to tell Germany what to do? You're going to tell another country what to do? Gee, isn't that what Bush Jr. was blamed for? Empire building? Being a dictator? I mean, that's all we heard during Trump's years. And it's so funny, you know, when Trump was elected in 16, I don't know how many people, I lost count. He's going to take us to war. He's going to take us to war. He's going to get us into war. He's going to get us in war. We are in worse shape under Biden than we ever thought about Trump when it comes to war. We really are. But when you have a media that won't admit they've screwed up in an incompetent administration, everyone is pulling a CYA. I'm not a fan of that. I've never been a fan of it. I didn't do it when I was in construction. I remember the first time somebody said, so you're doing a CYA? And I said, what? He goes, you know, cover your ass. And I said, no, I'm making a decision. And you're going to follow that decision. You're going to execute it as I told you. I'm not trying to cover my ass. I'm trying, I am making a decision on how we're going to approach this problem. If it works, great. If it doesn't, hey, we tried. But if I have to wake up each morning doing a seat, worried about a CYA, then I'm in the wrong business. And it took a while to get that mentality out of some of these people. Because if that's all you're worried about, you're not doing your job. You're going to make mistakes. Just do your damn job. So, and and if anyone in the United States has any grand delusions of invading Russia, let me remind you that we did that in 1918. And it worked out about as well as Napoleon. The plan was we would have a division disembark at Murmansk, in Arkhangelsk, drive on Moscow, meet up with this white army of 600,000 patriots, throw Lenin out and either put the czars back in power or build a new democratic government. We didn't understand the terrain. We didn't understand the land. We didn't understand a damn thing about Russia, and it killed us. We left like Napoleon did, not as bloody. But uh, if you're not familiar with the land, you will die. You will perish. You will freeze to death. And that's what happened to us. Now, that's, there's not a lot of books out there on it. 
I've read one and I forgot the title, but uh, yeah. Unless you are welcomed into Russia, you will be leaving as fast as you came in. Might be, well, maybe not quite as fast, but uh, as you leave, you will never want to go back in a military fashion because it doesn't work well. So the West can pound their chests and make all these grand statements and this, that, and the other. But when it's all said and done, Putin's going to do what he wants to do, just like when Obama was in office. He invaded the Crimea. Crimea, what were the repercussions? What were the sanctions? Blah, blah, blah. If he invades Ukraine and those people allow it to happen and don't fight back, it's going to be part of Russia again. Just the way it is. But, uh, you know, I listen to these leaders and they all remind me of Neville Chamberlain. They talk a lot and get nothing done because nobody's listening. And they talk a lot because they want you to think they're getting something done. Putin isn't listening. He's going to do what he wants to. Just like Hitler did. The only difference is Hitler wrote a book, Mein Kampf, and said exactly what he was going to do. And people still didn't believe it until it was too late. So go ahead and throw sanctions on Russia and they'll just laugh. They will just laugh about it. Whoopi Goldberg, God, you know, I need to wash my mouth out saying her name. As I understand, that ignorant woman is back on the view, which why ABC allows that shit is beyond me. I mean, that's nothing more than a communist meeting on TV. Those women are so pathetically disgusting i i just don't understand it but what i found ironic is this you know they suspended her because she's ignorant on history because if it's not if it didn't happen to the black people well then it's not racist the holocaust wasn't racist let's see that's in mein Kampf too about uh Hitler was pretty clear about what he was going to do with the Jews. But white people can't be racist to white people. Are you just stupid? Yes, you are. I will answer that question for you. Yet, this is the same network that had the top-running show and canceled it. And it was off the air for a year because Mike Baxter... His role was to be a hardline conservative and make fun of Obama, Biden, and Hillary. And that's why ABC canceled it. That was the beginning of this cancel culture crap. When they canceled 
Last Man Standing, and then Fox picked it up late, a year later. And now WGN does the reruns. In fact, that's what's on TV right now. I like the show. Because it's, you know, it was so stupid of them to cancel that. Because, so the main character is a hardline conservative. His boss, Ed Elzadi, yeah, he's kind of got his own issues. But two of his daughters are liberal. One daughter is definitely conservative, Caitlin Devers. But the wife, you don't know which side she's on. You can tell she probably leans to the left a little more. But this was a balanced show when it came to politics, when they discussed them. I mean, you've got one son-in-law, the Canadian hardline liberal. But, you know, even though Baxter doesn't like his politics, he also realizes that his daughter that is in love with him and is going to marry him has a son with him. That's his grandson. So he has to figure out how he's going to make this work. They're obviously not going to change political parties, but he's going to make this work somehow. And they do. But they canceled this show just because Mike, you know, Tim Allen's character, Mike Baxter, is making fun of Obama, Biden, and Hillary. Well, hell, there's a lot to make fun of. So they cancel a top-rated show, and they bring this stupid, fat, ugly woman back, Whoopi Goldberg. That's not punishment. That's utter hypocrisy. That's all it is. Oh, well... She's apologized for that. Well, she's got about 15 million other people she needs to go apologize to. And that means going to visit Auschwitz. And for the next 10 years, you get to think about the ignorance that came out of your stupid mouth. These self-appointed political geniuses. I've got a chapter in my book Target Berlin that would apply to her and Joe Barry and the rest of these clowns. I can't stand ignorance and I really can't stand hypocrisy, but it is just ridiculous. Let's bring back an uneducated black woman who doesn't know shit about world history and is probably going to say another ignorant thing and be able to give another lame apology and uh, i just you'll cancel last man standing but you'll bring back this and that was just a entertainment show and it's still getting great ratings but you'll bring her back that's embarrassing absolutely embarrassing They ought to shut ABC down for that shit. And then we've got the Joe Rogan incident. I know this is about a month behind, but if what I saw is right, all of a sudden Neil Young 
uh, is letting his music back on Spotify. Man, I don't give two shits. I didn't like that lame-ass son of a bitch when it was Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Crosby, Stills, and Nash, I like. Neil Young, I never cared for him. I didn't like him. And he's just another dumbass. Maybe he and Whoopi Goldberg got a hookup. Enjoy. They can have a threesome together. There you go. What? How pathetic is that? I guess all of a sudden the check started running out. And all of this crap, I don't listen to Joe Rogan. I didn't like it when he had that, uh, oh, what was the name of that show? Fear? Shit. I don't remember. But he was the host. I do remember one episode where the contestants had to pull electric eels out of a tank. And, you know, Joe's part was to heckle them and make fun, especially if they couldn't complete the activity. Fear factor. That was it. And he's laughing at this guy. And the dude said, hey, you think it's so fucking funny? Excuse that language. But uh, you do it if you think it's so damn easy. And Joe, Joe got challenged. And he couldn't back away because this guy's like, you think this is really easy, don't you? You're standing over there heckling me and laughing. Well, if you think it's so damn easy, why don't you try this? Let's see how many you can get. And Joe went over there. Yeah, he found out real quick it wasn't that easy. He was getting the shit shocked out of him. And the guy standing there going, yeah, you still going to make fun of me? He's like, hey, man. Sorry about that. And he's basically gave him that look of, you know, why don't you shut your ass up until you've actually tried some of this shit, okay? I thought that was great. But I didn't watch I didn't watch Fear Factor. But I mean, he's got a podcast. It's very popular. I think I've heard he's got a million listeners, which is outstanding. Boy, that would be something. Get a million listeners for Dawson's domain. That would be outstanding. And these people pull it because of his misinformation on COVID. There is so much misinformation on COVID that you don't know what isn't misinformation. That's why I post numbers every Sunday morning. Here are the facts. The numbers I'm using are generated by John Hopkins and the CDC. And if you can't trust them, then you can't trust anybody. It's that simple. Then it's all been a hoax. Or as Trump would say, fake news. It's ridiculous. It really is. The man falls under the First Amendment of free speech. But between but but the politicians are no longer in favor of free speech. Not even remotely close. I mean, let's look at Canada. Look at what's going on up there. And I got to thinking the other night, historically, of what this reminded me of. Well, let's see. The government has condemned a minority group. 
the government is wanting to take away your livelihood to make a living. The government wants to seize your property. The government wants to seize your assets. What government did that in the 20th century? I'll give you about two seconds to think about it. Stumped? Nazi Germany and the Jews. Slowly but surely, they took their rights away. Well, that's what Trudeau is doing. Oh, he's not doing it slowly. Well, why didn't you uh, do this with BLM? Why didn't the United States government do it with BLM? when they were burning down our cities and killing people and looting and rioting. Well, 93% of the protests were peaceful. 100% of the protest in Canada right now is peaceful. It's the government that's trying to stir this up. Gee, the night of long knives. I mean, Excuse me, Kristallnacht. What was Kristallnacht? That was the government stirring up the populace that the Jews were bad. So they looted their stores, they broke the glass, they burned synagogues, and the people stood by. And there's a lot of people in Ottawa that are liberal, and they're just standing by because the truckers are a threat. They're honking their horns. They're making noise. Anybody that knows someone that's a trucker, obviously there are going to be some bad ones out there, just like there are in any industry. But overall, these people are the backbone of your country, and this is what's scaring the hell out of Trudeau. They have effect, They are effectively shutting down Canada's economy. Trucks don't roll. Product doesn't move. Now let's see if the U.S. does the same thing, but this is a peaceful protest. The Jews never protested. They just kept hoping Hitler would go away or Hitler wouldn't enact these ridiculous bills and legislation that was coming out of Berlin. For many of them, they waited too long. Now, the truckers have been peaceful. They've arrested three of the leaders, I believe. In fact, I tried to get in touch with Mr. Harold Yonker to see if he would come on to the show. I emailed his company, and uh, I'm not even going to. I think he's around Ottawa. I forgot what province. It was in French, and I can't pronounce the name. But I was hoping I might be able to get him on. I saw him on a uh, clip on YouTube from, I think it was News, not News Nation. Oh, hell, it was Newsmax. It might have been Newsmax. It's like, well, let me see if I can get him to join us. I didn't hear back. Maybe he got arrested. I don't know. So we arrest the leaders thinking that the rest will disband. No, that's angering the rest of them. So the state, which is the Trudeau government, not Canada, but the Trudeau government is going to force this issue 
to where they will hope the truckers retaliate in violence so they can classify them as a terrorist organization. No, they're patriots. They're standing up against the mandates. They've had enough. And all the reports that are coming out are saying none of this works. There's a Forbes and MIT report that the social distancing and the masking didn't work. Nothing we did slowed the spread of the virus. But little prissy Trudeau doesn't like that his hand is being called. And he's clamping down on freedom. That's plain and simple. That's exactly what it is. He's clamping down on freedom. That's what the Canadian truckers' freedom convoy has turned into. They are tired of Ottawa determining what goes on in Western Canada. And I have several friends in Canada, in British, in the British Columbia area, and I followed posts, and there has been a lot of talk of breaking away because they are sick of Ottawa, they're sick of the government, they're sick of the ridiculous regulations they keep pouring out. Well, he's a social he's a liberal socialist. I mean, we are approaching a tipping point, and I'm behind them. Hold the line. I know they are freezing your accounts. How the hell can you freeze the accounts? Oh, because they classified them as terrorists. They're not terrorists. They haven't destroyed anything. BLM did more damage in a day than these guys have done in three weeks. What the message is, is you can protest. You just can't come to Ottawa and protest. You can protest, but we're going to classify you as a minority and break up your right to protest. I mean, there's talk of this forming in the United States and one going to D.C. If a convoy starts headed to D.C., I guarantee you, Biden will call out the National Guard and ring off Washington, D.C., and they won't allow any of those trucks anywhere near the Capitol. They will deny them the right to assemble peacefully and protest. That is tyranny, my friends. That is the definition of tyranny. That is the definition of unconstitutional. How many times did we hear the left-wing politicians that Trump is trampling the Constitution? No, Biden is and his ilk. And if you're a liberal and don't agree, hey, send me a comment. I'll debate it with you. I won't argue with you. I will debate it with you. of which I had mentioned that earlier that I had a chat with a liberal friend and uh, because the last thing I'm going to get into is this Durham report that he released. And I asked her, so do you think the brief that Durham 
released is false. Yes, I think it's false. Yes, I think it's false. Well, why? Well, Tucker Carlson is like, who mentioned Tucker Carlson? Well, Sean Hannity, well, who mentioned Sean Hannity? Have you read it? No. But since you heard Tucker say this, and I'm trying to figure out, you don't even watch Fox. You hate Fox. I don't know how many times you told me that. I said, I don't watch them. Where do you get your information from? ABC. Oh, ABC. The View and Last Man Standing. Okay. But ABC is not biased. My ass. So it's all what Durham's investigation has uncovered. It's all false because Fox is touting it. And that was the argument. I mean, she brought up Marjorie Taylor Greene because the left-wing media has portrayed her as a villain. And then she talked about that Cortez had more intelligence than Green. And I was like, what? Are you shitting me? Next, you'll say Ilan Omar is a genius. And, and I mean, the conversation just tailed off. I mean, she's a good friend, folks. No, I'm not going to mention her name because that would be in inappropriate but I have never had to tell her you are just a yellow dog left wing liberal but it came to that that it doesn't matter what's going on and all I did was call to see how her health is done and she brought politics into it and it's like okay but you won't hear me quote what any of the media says, unless it's something really stupid and I want to hammer them over it. Then I'll start quoting whoever it is, CNN, MSNBC, I don't care if I listen to them long enough to before my brain goes to mush. But she just kept throwing out these names. And I said, what names have I thrown out? Well, none. But it sounds like, I said, I don't care what it sounds like. Have I quoted anybody? No, these are my thoughts. I have developed these opinions based on the research I've done. But she has already dismissed Durham's findings, which are going to be enlightening. But you can't argue it. You can't debate. Uh, Let me get rid of the word argue. You cannot debate those issues with someone that has completely made up their mind. Hell, she. Brought up QAnon again. And I said, you know, a year ago, you asked me if I was part of that organization. I just shook my head and said, really? You think that little of me? Well, now she had to backtrack. She had to crawdad. I've never said she was part of some fringe left-wing group. But when she thought that I would have something to do with QAnon, I knew a few people that were part of it. And it's like, y'all are nuts. Just plain nuts. And they were. Hell, HBO did a special trying to figure out who Q was. Nobody has a clue. They don't know where it came from. 
But I tell you what, it is amazing how many hundreds of thousands of people believed in this. What a crock it's like. And, and she always wanted to bring up highly intelligent. And it's like, like the people on the left are the only ones that are highly intelligent. And then I started throwing out some examples of what about this? And what about the, well, well, I said, well, hell what? Just because you're educated doesn't mean you have a brain. And I've said this in many episodes. I have met plenty of ignorant people with degrees they could use. They got so many degrees they could use as wallpaper. That doesn't mean they're smart or they have common sense or they know what to do with it. It just means they're book smart. They got through the courses. Doesn't mean they can wipe their ass without instructions. I know plenty of people that can't do that. Jeez, unbelievable, unbelievable. Ooh, okay. I had to get that out. How do you talk to those people? I I don't know. Like I said earlier about being an author, you've got to be open-minded. Because if you aren't, you can't grow. You can't learn anything. I mean, and that's in every morning. I watch Joel Osteen. And it might be a message that I've heard repeatedly because most of the shows during the week are the pre-recorded and they run them. But I can still get something out of a message each time. I don't watch the Saturday night show because that's a repeat from the week, but I do watch the Sunday morning program because that's a new sermon. But I can always find something of use, even if I've heard the message before, because repetition results in reinforcement. But you got to be open-minded. And there just aren't, and, and you know, it's the same on the right. I'm just not going to hammer the left, but I know plenty of people on the right that they they can't sit back and look at the whole situation and take the politics out of it and then make a decision. That's where we become instead of Americans, will become partisans. Because our side is right and your side is wrong. And if you are in that mindset, you can't have a debate with anybody, even with a person on the same political side as you. And my good friend, Bears Bergoshian, and I had plenty of heated debates. I almost threw him out of my truck one day because he was pissing me off. One, I didn't want to talk about politics. And two, he did. And he started going off on the Democrats. And I said, you know something, one more word. And I'm going to pull the truck over and you're going to get out and walk. I already told you, I don't want to talk about it today. It's a beautiful day. 
I want to enjoy it. I want to enjoy your company. But if you want to talk politics, you can walk back to the hotel. I just get so mad. I said, I know that. Well, I don't want it in my truck. We will discuss this when you have calmed down. Okay? And he would. And he did. And I didn't throw him out of the truck. And I do miss my friend. I must say, I miss I miss my friend dearly. I miss him coming to my room each afternoon just to spend a few hours together. I miss his stories, even though he would repeat them over and over and over again. I just, I miss my friend. And that's okay. But I have wonderful memories of him. And that's a good thing. It's sad, but, you know, that's part of life. We will meet some really good people. And at this age, they're more apt to pass on than just move. So we have to prepare ourselves for those things. But we cherish the memories and not the loss. And there were, there are a lot of memories to cherish. He just, he was the most interesting man I've ever met. Okay. I'm not talking to you. So let's get in. Oh, one, one other quick note, you know, Biden's administration actually did something good and took out a terrorist, one of the top terrorists, Abu Ibrahim al-Asimi al-Karashi. And the media just covered him with praise over this. Yet, if you recall, with Soleimani in Baghdadi, the media crucified Trump for taking out those terrorists. And that's all you got to say about our current media. So they hail one president because he took one out and they vilify another one for taking out two. Why is that? Well, that's called state-controlled media. That's really what it comes down to. State-controlled media. And you could say that's part of what the Freedom Convoy in Canada is going up against, because I've heard plenty of reports from my friends up there that uh, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation has painted these truckers as villains, as terrorists. That is state-controlled media, and that's what we are witnessing right now. Isn't that what dictators have, is state-controlled media? Yes, it is. Hitler, Hirohito, Mussolini, Stalin... Brezhnev, state-controlled media. 
don't believe me, watch it. That's how you form dictatorships. State-controlled media. Okay. The Durham Brief. Now, if you guys have any questions or comments, the number is 888-627-6008 or 323-744-4831. So I read it. It's 13 pages long. It's not that long. Okay? And yes, there's a lot of legalese in it, but it is a document. It is a court briefing. And this is United States of America versus Michael A. Sussman. Now, I've highlighted certain parts, but if you want to read this for yourself, you can do what I did. Find it and download it. The defendant is charged in a one-count indictment with making a materially false statement to the FBI in violation of Title 18 United States Code, Section 1001. The defendant provided the FBI general counsel with purported data in white papers that allegedly demonstrated a covert communications channel between the Trump Organization and a Russian-based bank. The indictment alleges that the defendant lied in that meeting, falsely stating to the general counsel that he was not providing the allegations to the FBI on behalf of any client. In fact, the defendant had assembled and conveyed the allegations to the FBI on behalf of at least two specific clients, including a technology executive at a U.S.-based internet company and the Clinton campaign. The defendant's billing records reflect that the defendant repeatedly billed the Clinton campaign for his work on the Russian bank allegations. In compiling and disseminating these allegations, the defendant and tech executive also had met and communicated with another law partner at Law Firm One, who was then serving as general counsel to the Clinton campaign, and that law firm is Latham. Tech Executive One task these researchers to mine internet data to establish an inference and narrative tying then candidate Trump to Russia. In doing so, tech executive indicated that he was seeking to please certain VIPs referring to individuals at law firm and the Clinton campaign. The government evidence at trial will also establish that among the internet data tech executive and his associates exploited and his associates exploited was domain name DNS internet traffic pertaining to a particular healthcare provider Trump Tower Donald Trump Central Park West Department Building executive office of the president of the United States the DNS traffic and other data for the purpose of gathering derogatory information about Donald Trump. The defendant further claimed that these lookups demonstrated that Trump and his associates were, were using supposedly rare Russian-made wireless phones in the vicinity of the White House and other locations. The special counsel's office has identified no support of these allegations. 
In addition, the more complete data assembled by tech executive and his associates reflected that DNS lookups involving the EOP and Russian phone provider began at least as early as 2014. He was not representing, the defendant was not representing a particular client and conveying the above allegations. In truth and in fact, the defendant was representing tech executive one, a fact the defendant sub subsequently acknowledged under oath in December 17, December 2017 testimony before Congress. Those are the charges. And yes, I paraphrase them a little. Okay, and what else do we have here? <coughs> Latham is the law firm that Sussman worked for. All three of the aforementioned clients, one of these clients, law firm, was representing both the Clinton campaign and a related political organization in the special counsel's investigation. Okay. Like I said, you want to download this, download it. We'll get to it in a minute. The government expects to offer this testimony at trial to prove that the defendant knowingly and intentionally lied when he stated to the FBI general counsel in September 2016 that he was not acting on behalf of any client. Yet in 2017, he was. He testified to that. Okay. <clears throat> so in these last items, let's see. On or about October 12, 2018, law firm issued a statement to multiple media outlets in which the firm stated in part, when Sussman met with the FBI general counsel on behalf of the client, it was not connected to the firm's representation of the Hillary Clinton campaign, the DNC, or any political law group. Well, any political law group client. Well, now we're trying to crawl that away from it. On or about October 18, 2018, the then managing partner of law firm wrote a letter to the editor of a major newspaper in which he asserted, in part, Mr. Sussman's meeting with the FBI general counsel James Baker was on behalf of a client with no connection to either the Clinton campaign, the DNC, or any other political law group client. Okay. And the last thing I've highlighted is or other provision of law to establish that the defendant sought to conceal the Clinton campaign's ties to the Russian bank, allegation from the FBI and others. And then Latham had a retort to this that basically said, lie, lie, pants on fire. It's all a bunch of crap. John Durham made it all up. <coughs> no, he didn't. That's it right there. Now, you can put whatever term you want into it. If you want to use spine, okay, you can use that term. Fox used that. I did hear. I watched some of Hannity and listened to him bounce off on this, but I had to read it all just to see what is there, just like the Mueller report. Like when I was debating with my liberal friend on the Mueller report and the report before that, and then the following IG report, 
on all this hoax on Russian collusion. How the hell can you still believe that Trump colluded with Russia? That is, what's the term? State-controlled media, and you're taking it hook, line, and sinker. So what we have here, this is more damning than what Deep Throat gave Woodward and Bernstein on the Watergate break-in. If Durham has the facts to back up what Sussman did, then this is a huge domino. But why isn't the media, the state-controlled media, covering this? Have any of them read the brief? No, what they've read is what they want to read. So they've all, they all, you know, Fox drew their conclusions. The other networks drew their conclusions. Well, what conclusions will you draw from this? Yeah, I had to highlight just the what I thought was important for the case that John Durham is making. Where there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, we already know the Steele dossier has been discredited, but those on the left still believe it, even though it's been proven, hey, it was all made up. It was paid for. Comey rubber stamped the uh, warrant that went to the FISA judge. This was all a scam. We know that. That's been proven. Well, this is pretty damning right here. And if you recall, before the election, Trump was really upset with John Durham because he hadn't released anything. And I was upset he hadn't released anything. But then I had to back up from that statement and go, how big is this conspiracy? How deep does it run for what happened before the 2016 election and while the president was in office? This could be the start of the collapse of our democracy as we know it. I know that's a pretty bold statement, but historically, this could bring down the Democratic Party. It just depends if Durham has the information, the hard evidence, locked, solid, airtight evidence that can tie Sussman with the tech company and uh, shit, I had a brain fart. That's not good. 
and the law firm and the Clinton campaign that they were all in cahoots. How do you think the state-run media is going to handle that? It's kind of scary when you think about it. That you could see our current form of government just topple. Of course, I've been saying that maybe that's what we need. Maybe we need to start over. Maybe we need to just have a single ruler for a while to get this country back on track. Or at least someone with a brain that is, that is there for America the United States and not the political party, you know, and that was Trump's strong point. He was an American. He just didn't know when to shut up. He just, there were so many times he just needed to be quiet and move on, but he just couldn't do it. He just had to pick every, he had to have every little battle and, Win them all. You don't win all your battles. No general has ever won all of his battles. They'll win the war, but they're not going to win every battle. There will always be setbacks. And Donald just couldn't accept that fact. You know, and that was another thing that uh, my liberal friend brought up was January 6th. And, and this really was, now this was scary. There's been plenty of coverage that they're still holding a lot of those people in the D.C. jail and they haven't had a hearing and it's been a year and she didn't have a problem with that. And I said, so you don't have a problem with a with the right to a free and speedy trial? Hell, the terrorists in Gitmo are getting more concessions than the people in D.C. jail. She had to kind of ponder that for a minute. I said, that's what you just said, that they don't, that they aren't allowed to use the legal system. That they can just be held indefinitely. Yeah, she had to think about that. I said, that's what you're supporting. That's what a police state does. It really is that simple. Imagine if Trump was president, all right, when he was president, imagine if he would have had a thousand of those BLM protesters arrested and put in jail without a hearing. Where do you think the media would be on that? You know damn well where they'd be. And everyone on the left would be. They're being denied their due process of law. And Trump would be vilified again as a dictator, an autocrat. Well, hell, it's going under Biden and Kamala right now. What's the difference? 
there isn't one. Well, this is what we're getting with state-controlled media. And it really didn't dawn on me until I really got to thinking about this, just how far off the rails things have become. And they're not getting any better. I'd like to think there is a voice of reason out there. I don't know where it is. I know where it isn't. It isn't in the media. I don't care which channel you subscribe to, but do subscribe to this one. Um, it really is disturbing when you look at the bigger picture. So let's say Durham can prove all this. Well, the tech company and the Latham Law Firm are going to be in some deep shit. But then how long will it take for it to go to trial? This is the other thing. This is what's wrong with our legal system. The right to a fair and speedy trial. Well, in a lot of cases, it ain't fair and it ain't speedy. I saw a case the other day where, oh, this would go to trial in two years. Are you shitting? Why does it take so long? I mean, I've been in court cases. There is nothing speedy about it unless it's a murder trial, which I have not been involved in. But I've been through this process, and it is long, and it is drawn out, and the only thing it does is give the attorneys and the courts more money. That needs to change. And that is one thing I like about the show Blue Bloods, because it shows the pros and cons of the police and the courts and how they clash consistently. And it, a lot of times it exposes what's wrong with the court system and the laws. We need to get back to basic laws and a lot less lawyers. But if Durham can get a grand jury to bite on this and they say, yeah, we're giving out indictments because that's one thing my friend said, well, the Congress and the Senate are busy. I said, they have nothing to do with this. This is a court case. This is going to go before a grand jury. I'm sorry, but now you're just talking through your ass. I really do like her too. She's a sweet girl, but. So there it is. And yeah, and I've seen the articles that they were really. The, the headlines were so pathetic. Of course, Fox is like, we got the goods on the Clinton campaign. And then from the New York Times and the Washington Post and all those, their headlines were, Fox is full of shit, blah, blah, blah. It's not true. Well, that's why I read this to you. The media will just tell you what they think it said. I told you what it says. So you make your own mind up if you think there's a smoking gun there. And I do. I'm convinced there is. This guy, Sussman, when he realizes that his law firm that he worked for, Latham, has 
doesn't have his back and he's going to start paying these massive attorney fees to be defended, unless he has got a backbone, which I seriously doubt, he is going to roll, start rolling the dominoes down and say, okay, yes, I did this. Yes, I know. Well, he did say that in 17. And that's what was interesting. In 16, he said, I didn't say that. In 17, he said, I did. Who do you believe? And that's one problem with having all these hearings in Congress. There's so many thousands, and this has got to be deliberate because they wind up with thousands of pages of transcripts that no one in their right mind is going to have a chance to go through unless they've got a team of 50 lawyers making $350 an hour that the United States taxpayer is paying for. So we're creating work. Congress is creating work for private attorneys to become wealthy on our back. Tell me we don't need less lawyers. You ever thought about it that way? Think about it. The system that is made to hide the truth, and that's what the United States legislature has become. You know, I really didn't think about it till now. But there's a lot of truth to that. So you have all these hearings. Everyone has to have their own separate hearing. Why? Because when it's all said and done and the dust is settled, you'll never find what you're looking for because you can't afford it. That should scare the living hell out of you, that that's how our government is working. Because it sure does me now. I never thought about that. But it does make sense. It really does in the grand scheme. Damn. We got to change something. Something's got to change. Oh. Well, you know, we got it all covered today. And we've got about four minutes left. Because we get to run two hours, which I enjoy that. Because I sure couldn't cover all this in an hour. But I enjoy it. And I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you tell your friends and your family. And if you've got people on the opposite aisle that want to be educated, send them a text message if you can't talk to them. You know, $299, $599, $999, that's, that's pretty cheap, pretty good value for the information I'm supplying. I'm, I'm convinced of that. Because I don't mind doing the research. I don't mind looking this stuff up because I need to be educated and understand what is going on and how it affects us. A lot of people say, you know, there's nothing we can do about it. Well, they thought the same way back in the 1930s, that there's nothing we can do about it. And by 1945, we realized somebody should have done something about it. And we don't want to find ourselves in that. 
And, and this was the deal. This was the last thing that we really talked about was a civil war. And she said, well, I won't be part of it. And I was like, uh, really? You don't seem to understand how this works. I mean, the South had what they called the home guard. And if you weren't in uniform or fighting, you were a traitor. Or you better have a real good reason that you can't put on the gray and fight the blue bellies. The North had conscription. So I had to inform her, you won't have a choice. You will be told or you will be asked, who do you support? And if you don't have the right answer, they won't think a thing about killing you. And so when people talk about civil war in the United States, there aren't going to be people sitting on the sidelines. You will have to take a side. Because if the opposing side comes in and you get questioned, in fact, this happened, which I thought it was sad and funny at the same time, when BLM had one of their little outings in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I was talking to these liberal people, most of them I, we are not associated with anymore. Of course, they're all waving the BLM and their gay pride banners and all that. And all of a sudden, this little riot took place a mile from their houses, and they were screaming bloody murder, and they were scared shitless. And I said, but these are the people you supported. Now you see how they work. Yeah, they were pretty upset, and but they couldn't admit that they were wrong. I said, wait until they walk into your house and say, give us what you got, or we'll just take it. But I support you, then give us what you have. Otherwise, we'll burn your house down. And I hope we're not headed that way. I really do. I really do, but something has got to change in D.C. And I just don't see it happening under this current two-party system. I really don't. Because everyone is more worried about investigating everybody else. And then when they do their job, they do it half-assed, as we have seen for the last year. And uh, I'll put it this way. If I had a copy of the State of the Union address that bumbling Biden's going to give March 1st, I'd already tear it up. I wonder if Nancy would do the same thing this time. I wonder what lies, since Trump was always accused of lying, I wonder what lies Biden is going to come up with, what his writers have come up with. And for once in my life, I would really like to see when he starts spouting them that those on the right start booing. Sitting, sitting there silently does nothing. Do what the Nazis did. Just get up and walk out. Or just boo the hell out of them. What's the sergeant of arms going to do? But then that would require backbone. And it would require backbone from those on the left going, man, this is not what we wanted. Because the polls are showing that a lot of the people that voted for Joe and Kamala are having buyer's remorse. 
our country is having remorse over this. Oh, well. So subscribe, buy my books. Uh, contact me. My phone number is 817-938-8461. If you would like to have me do a management seminar for my book, Cutting to the Chase, and I also have a uh, seminar. Really, it's not a seminar. It's just a talk of breast cancer and relationships. You can go to my LinkedIn, and I've posted that video there on what I cover. So there's plenty, you know, all my books are on Amazon. I got plenty of ways that you can support my work, support me so that I can help my family. And that is the final note I will have is I need prayers for my family. We're having a going through a very difficult time. I won't get into it, but it's it's pretty heart-wrenching. I didn't think I'd be in this situation, but I am. And now we just have to work our way through it. It's going to take a lot of time, a lot of tears, and a lot of reflection. So please pray for my family. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. And I will see you in two weeks. So this is Jeff Dawson signing out. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did. Without you wonderful listeners, this show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought. Check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com websites LDDJ Enterprises and JeffDawsonAuthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook LDDJ Enterprises Publishing or email LDDJ Enterprises at gmail.com or on Twitter at JeffDawson59. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain.